0: So the guest for today is Emilio, one of my best friends, and he's going to be talking with me about the unfairness of his best or good beard in comparison to my
1: lack of beard. Hi, everybody. My name is Emilio, and I am originally from the United States, from California, and I am married with three kids. I got three boys, uh, nine, eight, and two, and I've lived in Denosti for the last almost six years now. And I'm uh, I do all kinds of work here in Donosti, but I'm a pastor of a local church and uh I have a great time going out and uh meeting people and loving people and having great conversations and living my life in Donosti and enjoying it.
0: Yeah, so he's got a really interesting religious back- background, which he might be willing to show us some kind of or like uh, part of it in the future and explain us why Christian values are valuable and why the alternative, which is the current uh, skepticism of the society or the, like, especially from the young people towards it in the West, might not be absolutely rational. And uh, Christian values might have some kind of value in like in the long term and in the short term, definitely. It, uh, it adds some kind of I'm, I'm not trying to, to make the case for it, I'm actually an atheist, but I think that there's many valuable lessons w- which we can take out of Christian values, and those that might be one future podcast, Emilio might be willing to, to partake in it. So the topic for today is your beard, it's absolutely amazing, and mine is non-existent. Well, I'm expecting to get a beard in the in the, in the next <laughs> <laughs> in the next years, but the, the the beard it's actually not relevant at all. Mm. No, not not your beard or mine. Because the, the, you have the hair. So oh yeah, <laughs> I've got some more hair. <laughs> yes, but the, the, the beard itself it's irrelevant. What we are talking about is the thing that has been given to you by natural forces or by God or whatever you believe in. Mm. It's something you haven't had the capability to modify it in the way you might be able to modify your financial est- state or like your knowledge because you are able to focus more and improving yourself. So there's two kinds of things in life. There's something which could be fair or unfair. And I, th- I will make the case today for the third case, which is that some things and actually most of them don't have anything to do with fairness. You cannot describe your beard by, in terms of fairness.
1: Hmm. Yeah, so now I'm interested. What's the third, the third way?
0: So the, the third thing is something which cannot be attended to or like described by terms of fairness because the fact that you've got a better beard than, than mine... I wouldn't consider that fair or unfair just lucky or the con- conditions of you being now a bit older than I am makes you be able to have uh, a better beard because you've been able to develop your body in in a farther way than than I have or I might have like a, a lower speed of development in the facial facial hair so that those factors aren't influenced directly by my by my actions mm. there's really not many things I can do to improve my the level of development in my hair, of mm. the, the, my facial hair. So those things mm, could be influenced by me if I took certain pills or like I took mm-hmm. some medical treatment. Mm. But I'm pretty sure that those things might not be something which people are focused on mm. actively. I have so many other things which I'm attending constantly in my life. So I'm mm. particularly not interested in... Improving the quality of my beard. Well, mm. that's something I value, and I would like to have a, a great beard. But that's not in my top five things in my life. Mm. I've never made the ranking, but I'm pretty sure that it's not among <laughs> and the top shouldn't five. It should be.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, I, I've been fine without without one until now, and I think I will be fine with, for the next two or three years without it. So. I know, what's your position? Do you think that your peer is something you value? Well, you're, you, you've grown it, so you are signaling to the market that that's something you value, because in other ways, if, if the alternative would be the case, you wouldn't have it.
1: And it's true, Everything, every way that you present yourself is a choice, right? And so you know what people are considering around you, and whatever you do, whether you choose not to present yourself in a good way... That's a choice to, to do that because you're telling the world, I don't care. <laughs> and so I don't care about your opinion. So it's like a, no matter what, you're having a relationship with the people around you by how you dress or how you don't care about how you dress or how you look or how you don't care about how you look. And so no matter what, it's a, it's a choice. So I know I, I have social cues that there are certain ways if I wanted to look like a very successful businessman, I'm not doing a good job. <laughs> so maybe for me that I don't I don't value as high uh, that that perception of humanity of being a very successful businessman. Um but also I I think uh, I do get people's perceptions all from all kinds of backgrounds because people are confused when they see me. Um so I'll, I have Lebanese grandmas look at me with a smile <laughs> no, I'm not Lebanese and I don't have uh, 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 an Arab background but I can be seen as somebody who could have an Arab background oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so I, you know, maybe some people would see me as looking like a Muslim, which I have no desire for that, (laughs) Or, or looking like some ancient prophet from the Middle East. I don't want that either. That's not something I desire. For me, I think it goes back to maybe my family, where I've always just found it comforting to have a beard. And even my grandpa always had a beard my whole life. And he was somebody I looked up to. And it was just something that was like, um, yeah, I like... Uh, it, it's comforting for my kids and for me um, because it's just uh, it's just what it is.
0: You know, aesthetic thing that it's part of you. and Yeah. It was also part of your grandpa. So you mm-hmm. might value the fact that you've got something in you that resembles him. Yeah. There are some genetics in you, definitely, that makes you be able to have the beard you have right now. Yeah. And you... When you were 19 or 20, you, you had a beard already.: I did.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> I had facial hair. Oh okay. at, at that age. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean I could and this is even going back further. when I was 18, 19, I was interested in a whole different way of finding approval of those around me by the way that I looked and was presented by. And so I would shave to try to attract certain people. Uh, especially girls or something like that where I'm now manipulating my body in a certain way in order for the specific desire to attract certain people. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I was, you know, uh, even in, in certain times, I was doing things to attract it for either work purposes mm-hmm. or for uh, a relationship purposes or something like that. So it's like no matter what we're doing, there's there's a relationship between us and our relationship with others.
0: <laughs> there's always some kind of signaling for Trying to signal to other people that you have got some kind of status. Sure. Because status, it's definitely needed. I've, I've recently, uh, listened to a podcast of Chris Williamson. Mm -hmm. Uh, Modern Wisdom is is called, is the name of the podcast. And he talked with, uh, with a guest. I I don't, I don't remember now his name. He's got a, a book called Status, The Status Game or. And he talked that the the status you perceive that the other people perceive from you mm. is the thing leading your self-esteem. Mm. So the case against taking into account other people's judgments, I think that everyone, well, not everyone, but there's there's a huge benefit to taking into account the other other people's judgments. Maybe in the terms of you feeling like that the way the other people might react to the way you act. Mm might lead to the maximization of your objectives like let's say you are you look handsome you might maximize your attractiveness to to girls or like to your job interviews success so that's something we're looking to maximize yeah. like 99.9 percent of the people so there's a other group of people who say that you shouldn't be taking any at all the, into account the other people's perspectives. And I think that that's actually incorrect because we, we live in a society in which there is a huge a huge specialization which leads to people to know specifically about certain topics. And if I was trying to produce the things I consume, I wouldn't be able to do that. I wouldn't be able to to produce a phone or a computer or a microphone. There's no way I could do those things. So I, I'm, I'm obliged in case I, I want to maintain my lifestyle, mm. which is a super rich lifestyle not in terms of com- not in i don't have status in comparison to the rest of the world but in terms of time scale in comparison to the people from the 15th century i'm super rich i'm probably richer than the richest person in those those ages absolutely the fact that i want to maintain this level of of well being it makes me um, have to collaborate with other people mm. as long as I'm not able to produce in a more competitive way every single thing that I consume mm. every single podcast i hear to every single uh, tv show or like product i use if i would, if i'm not able to produce those in a lower cost as the people in the economy are able to produce and offer it to me and, and transport it and take all the, those natural resources and, and transform them into the thing that i'm consuming mm. i'm obliged to to satisfy their needs in any kind of way in case I want to get those things out of them because I'm not going to coerce them because I'm not, one, I'm not strong enough to coerce millions, billions of people. <laughs> I'm a, a unique person, so I, that's not a, a practical way of going. And in case I, I, I would be able to coerce them, all of those people, I morally wouldn't consider that correct. So To have that
1: power over people like that.
0: Yeah, even if I had the power which having the power itself, it's not immoral. The immoral the thing is using the power in, in bad ways. Mm-hmm. So coercing all those billion people, billions of people to to produce for me all the, the, all those things I value so, because I'm not able to produce them by my own wouldn't be moral. So I'm going too mm-hmm. far maybe from the topic, but the, the thing is that I am forced to give a good impression to our people. And the fact that you've got that good-looking beard it's part of your judgment that that's part of the thing that other people might judge as aesthetic mm. as I, for example, do. I consider more aesthetic the existence of some kind of beard mm. looking like something similar to yours than the inexistence of beard like mm. uh, I have right now. Mm. So you are probably doing it right if you are trying to look more aesthetic. But if you were trying to like adapt your aesthetics to something related to businessman or like something in which those... People might look different because they they are supposed socially to look more shaped or any kind of like I don't know. Mm-hmm. So your looks might be trying to maximize the the appearance. You're trying to send a signal to the mar- to the market or to the people surrounding you, and I, I am too, of what you are and why you are, exactly. because you're trying to take inefficiencies out of the process of communication. Yeah. Because if everyone knows what you feel or or like perceives what you what you want them to perceive from out of you, you will be able to take out the inefficiencies out of the process of communication because you you are not obliged to to talk with someone and say, "Hey hey hello Emilio this is Alex and I'm certain this is what describes me, and I'm not forced to have a conversa a deep conversation with you, sp- explain what are the things that describe me. There's there's a much faster way of communicating that. That if you are like well dressed, if you've got a certain attributes, physical attributes, those can signal the rest of the people things that you wouldn't be able to se- to send those those signals with speech as fast as, as you would with with sure, your appearance. Sure,
1: sure. And so that's like something that we completely accept. Is it's easy for man to judge the other person on the outward appearance quickly naturally and and sometimes it's for their own health <laughs> and sometimes it's for their own detriment but it's natural so even like in the bible in first samuel god says very specifically uh, everybody is basically saying god we don't want you to be our king we want a human to be our king just like all the other nations in the world because god was the king before that and he was the it was a theocracy and god's like well okay, choose for yourself a king. And so, everybody found the tallest, most handsome guy that they could find. (laughs) (laughs) And God says, you guys judge by outward appearances, and I judge the heart. And so, God's like, I don't show partiality. Uh, So, that's distinct to Him, because we do show partiality. And we do judge the outward uh, while we're getting to know the inward. Because uh, unlike him, we don't know everything at the same time. <laughs> oh yeah, and so therefore, uh, we're we're trying to get to the full picture of who people are, but in our limitedness, we have to go through the process of relationship, which is a long process. So it's easier to just judge somebody super quickly uh, based upon their outward opinion and find uh, a, a quick uh, summation of what that person's all about in my own stereotypical mind. <laughs>
0: so, so the the fact of Taking care of your appearance is like adding some bandwidth to the communication of who you are to someone or like giving the, the first bits of information to the other person. This is the things you you could expect out of me if I'm dressing like a normal person. I'm probably a normal person. But if I was looking like a like a homeless person, you would expect from me certain habits, like maybe some kind of a drug addiction background, some kind of financial instability, uh, lack of a job. Like the, for the way I I, I look,
1: there's you, quick stereotypes and expectations. Yeah, yeah,
0: and those are highly correlated with with the. Uh, with the thing you expect. Mm. If you if you see someone with a knife and pointing at you and with a bad face and aggra- an aggressive face, mm. you would probably guess that he's trying to have a conflict with you and and you'll you'll be 99.9% right in those assumptions. Sure, sure. So stereotypes are probably more beneficial than than the than per, per,
1: per well, it, it does get difficult because it does also lead to like problems with, like, systemic racism. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so you have these things where it's like, no, it's like, like, yes, the very, like, and, you know, moving from one country to another and being uh, from one country where we had our own stereotypes, going to another country where you have to learn brand new stereotypes. And then you go visit other countries and they're like, we have all these stereotypes versus that country. And you're like, you guys look the same. <laughs> look at this, nothing's going on. <laughs> it's like, I, look- I, I, I didn't know that even in the Middle East, there's so much racism and stereotypes from one middle eastern country to the next oh yeah and, and it's like you have to be in that world to know how that works cuz outside you're like oh it's just the middle east they're all the same <laughs> because
0: you might not be able to distinguish between people from exactly. the middle east but people
1: from the middle east are able
0: to distinguish all those different things that distinguishes them. For sure, like for me and a, and a French person, I mm. might be able to to guess if you put me two people and I have to guess which one is the French person and which one is the Spanish person, I might be able to, to you'd, be very, you'd be
1: closer to yeah. guessing it because of that. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah.
0: I w- my I would be closer to guessing than a mm. person from the middle east, for example. So once
1: again, even though it could be helpful stereotypes, there's also mm-hmm. the great pitfall of ignorance leading. To separation of tribes, right, and it's and like, and the, the dehumanization of people based upon certain stereotypes. So, it could be even like, oh, I I, I hate Swiss people because all I see them as pump is rich people but I had to get to know all the Swiss people. <laughs>
0: not all of them, but the stereotype you have that hasn't been actually representative of what you are trying to make a stereotype exactly, out of. Exactly, If that's the case and you, your stereotype it's not representative of the, mm-hmm. of the society you are trying to represent by your stereotype, mm. it might be beneficial. Well, it might not. It, it is beneficial. It would be beneficial to make a new stereotype. Mm. starting from zero, like, uh, let's say I think that black Americans are super aggressive and are constantly having violent crimes and are doing, are the worst Mm. in the society. If I had that stereotype and I I would think, and someone came to me and said, oh, black Americans aren't actually that bad. Mm. Well, it's not that they aren't that bad, they are normal people. And if someone came came with that argument, I would go to, I would want to, to support me well my myself to change of opinion and start making a new stereotype mm. and try to approach a, a Black American so I can talk with him or her and mm. say hey hello i'm trying to know how People from your collective are. I'm mm. not. I'm trying to stop having those stereotypes I had in the past. Mm. Maybe this approach is too direct, so you might want to just go to them and and talk with them as normal, as, mm. as, as just as a normal person, as a as talking to a white person or to mm-hmm. an, uh, a Latino person or whatever. So, you think? I think that in case you have a bad stereotype towards a collective, which is not justified in terms of what the not crime rate or like mm. what reality is.
1: Mm. Oh, maybe, maybe there is a high crime rate. Maybe there is even, you know, a huge, uh, social issue or, or cultural issue going on within a certain group of people. Um, and maybe that race is tied directly in that and within that. Um, I think, uh, that's where, that's where for me, like the idea of, God's perspective changes my perspective, because like in that situation, I think it if it was just evolutionary and there was no greater, then it would be totally rational and necessary for me to look for ways to escape every possible problem that could affect my possible life <laughs> and, and go away from those. And so that I can be the, living my most healthy future in life in my most comfortable space that I could find on earth. Um and, and, and the, so stereotypes will help me do that and and allow me to do that. But for me as well, like the yeah, the, the the whole perspective of 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 even looking and seeing uh God himself and how he came to the world in the story of the Hebrew scriptures is, and there's a prophecy about the Messiah coming 700 years before it happened in Isaiah 53. And this was known to be, or interpreted to be, the Messiah way before Jesus ever came. So this is all about the Messiah coming, and what is the Messiah going to be like? He's going to be a man of no repute, and he's going to be somebody who looks like nothing special at all. <laughs> Maybe even ugly. <laughs> Maybe just like a normal, ugly middle eastern guy and this is god coming to earth and this is like the perspective of who the messiah would be as he comes and suffers on behalf of the world and so god himself comes and he humbles himself to a place of low status he doesn't come on a white horse looking beautiful shining why not and 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 that's a great question why because people did expect some people did expect for him to do that uh, but he came in a very humble way, being born in a manger, <laughs> being born as uh, in poverty, and uh, and then living a normal blue collar life. Uh, why did he do that uh, in this humble way? Uh, specifically, because he had a very clear focus and plan. His uh, his focus and plan wasn't to become famous and to be a king. His focus and plan wasn't to become uh, the, the 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 guru of the world. His focus and plan was specifically, and this is why even after he did a miracle, he would tell everybody, don't tell anybody that I did that. <laughs> his focus and plan was very specific to go to the cross and die.
0: And how do you know that that's not part of his strategy of what he's trying to to signal to other people? He's, I think that he was trying to signal to other people that he's not the kind of people who seek for the approval of other people and the fact of doing that makes you have the approval of other people so if he was trying to signal that he didn't care about the approval of other people and he was getting the approval of other people he might be seeking for the approval of other people in the first case
1: well and that's where he turns it up and shows us his heart because he said the whole time, uh, it's not my will, but it's the Father's will. So, his greatest approval, I mean, he literally says in John, my meat is to do the will of the Father, the approval of the Father. So, whatever the Godhead's will is, that's what he was so focused to go on and do. And to accomplish that, he became nothing. And so, he became ugly. Normal human meat bag <laughs> like us, in order to save meat bags like us, and so that's what's so interesting is this like is that when you when you the biggest thing when you started with is it fair or unfair when people have attributes that are leading them to uh, find success in life, um, even though they didn't do anything to earn it, the one who did who who has done everything to earn it came in a way that went against that narrative and it's just like he he could have come as the most beautiful the most perfect the most glorious but he chose to say i already have everything Um, i already have all the value and purpose and i choose to come in this humble way in order to lead those to come to me in a humble way (laughs) and so it's like yeah we can i mean it's still a very big question like is it fair that and and how how wide do you want to spread that net because if it's like okay our children who are born into high class families is that fair or unfair a beautiful attribute uh, features on a person is that fair or unfair cuz they're getting more attention they're getting more, they're, they're 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 receiving certain benefits from society and they didn't do anything to earn it is that fair
0: <laughs> i think it doesn't apply to fairness
1: okay so even the rich kid
0: yeah, yeah, even the okay. rich kid, because that's something he has in control. He yeah. he wasn't giving his consent to being born in high class family, or sure, ne- neither sure. to a low class, neither to getting born, or neither to not getting born. So mm. he he didn't have any kind of will previous to getting born or anything. sure sure. There could be some kind of uh, neurobiologist who could argue against me in this case because there there might be some kind of will previous to existing that your instinct makes you want to exist. So the fact that I don't know that might be a case, but I'm not I'm not trying to go against that thesis. I'm just saying that he wasn't having a an, an active will for or against getting born into any kind. It's of It's just place. pure luck. Yeah. So yeah, The yeah. fact that it's pure luck makes him not not be. One, not responsible for what he had, and, one, and two, not willing to have what he had, previous to having it. Mm-hmm. But once you have it, obviously he'll choose to have that in comparison to the worst alternative. But he will also choose the better alternative, which might be to be a super high class, super whatever he had. Like, let's say he had an 8 out of 10 in his life. He could have a 10 out of 10. That would be even better than what he had. So. I think that the fact that he wasn't able to modify his situation previous to existing Mm. makes makes that situation not fair or unfair because that's something that just applies to how the world is and shouldn't be considered to be fair or unfair because that's just how the world is. And the fact that those attributes are more valued by the society, for example, let, let's say financial uh, status or physical status, like let's say th- there's one thing which is super valued in in society, which is um, if if you if your face is symmetrical, that's something that it's biologically <laughs> super <laughs> expensive to build. Yeah. <laughs> <Because> it, <laughs> it, it takes your genes, all a lot of resources, to mm. be able to develop a human being. That's symmetrical. Mm. That's super expensive, mm. and and gives a signal of good genes. Sure, sure. And that's why people with not defects, but like any different kind of faces, mm. might not be considered to be so valuable in terms of aesthetics. Mm. And there's certainly other things, and one of them might be the beard. Mm. A well-grown beard might signal the rest of the world that you've been able to to develop yourself into a and to a competent point of view in your life so you by having that beard are signaling you that your body has been developed into his optimal point and that your mental capability might be higher than mine because i'm not signaling and i haven't been able to develop myself far enough and you have so everything All tends, kinds of signals yeah everything tends to be correlated so your mental capabilities are also correlated with your with the development of your of the rest of your body so, the fact that you have a beard might be signaling that you are more mentally capable or more physically capable of doing hard job a hard job or whatever <laughs> requires of a higher
1: level than what I might ha- be having but what what a disconnection from the possibility of reality just because just because i have an attribute that's helpful doesn't necessarily mean i have the skills to back it up <laughs> it, tends oh. to
0: be, it tends to be <laughs> correlated mm. it's not uh, always correlated you could have a, per- a person like you which has a perfect beard and be ca- completely damn and not, absolutely it, but it capable, happens all the time not capable of handling any yeah. kind of situation and you could have the opposite someone mm-hmm. like me that has not have any kind of fear and it's super Very capable. Yeah, super strong, super capable sure, of handling sure. everything. So that could be the case, but that's the, the exception. The rule is that people who tend to have one good attribute tend to have other good attributes. If you were able to take a sample, a random sample of the society, or not of the officer society, of of the whole world, and you only looked at one of the things that could be judged as valuable or as invaluable, for example, let's say the beard, all 500 random males from the world, and you and you looked at their quality of the beard in terms of some kind of a standard. That it's that that standard. I don't know how the standard was built or what the standard says, but it's probably that the more tupid or the more r- robust the more um, dark the the beard the mm. more it signals proper development mm. so if if i had the the complete script or of what the standard what the biological standard is that makes us want to to value more those kind of more developed beards mm. and you looked at the 500 samples of people which have a lower or higher level of, of quality of beard, there would be a correlation, I think, mm-hmm. between the quality of beard and the rest of the things. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think, I cannot think of anything that, that would make the opposite be, be true. I There's no way there would be a correlation between lack of beard and, I don't know, any kind of, the rest of the of the topics that we might be valuing in life like men- mental capability figures physical strength well i mean i don't know if if
1: i agree with that completely
0: <laughs> do you think that there's an opposite correlation there uh,
1: there you know what? i think like you said there's a there's a bit of luck going on where sometimes sure. that like, I've, I've, I know, uh, and it's almost a stereotype in the United States. So at that high, at such a high level, that really beautiful people are dumb. <laughs> And that, that, oh wow! That's that's a, that's a that's a stereotype. It's like, oh, there's that blonde, beautiful person. She's probably an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: goes against my my theory that says that when you have one good attribute, you tend to have the. Yeah, that's the what rest. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that there's a stereotype in the U.S. that says the opposite <laughs> from what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> makes my mind blow. <laughs> How is it even? I, I knew this stereotype, but I haven't thought of it previously. So it's true that people tend to think of blonde girls as being more stupid and brunette girls and mm. that might have some kind of correlation there or it might just be that people that only girls that tend to i don't know dye their hair and, mm. and, and so and, and so the, the the girls who die are predominantly into blondness because mm. that's something which is aesthetically more valued i think for sure. by the society Maybe people who tend to die, which are predominantly blonde girls, most of them are died, I guess. I c I don't know the stats. But some of them some of them might be might be <laughs> yeah. died. So there might be some kinda of, I'm not saying that dyed girls are stupid, but in case diet girls were more tended to be more stupid, the fact that diet people tend to be more stupid and the fact that most of the people who dye their hair tend to be Brownish or dark hair into blonde or into uh, red hair, but in, in predominantly into blonde, which is the stereotype. I think it, it is true that people tend to to dye their hair, or they dye them their hair into blondness. In case those people who tend to, there's a higher odds of you being stupid. In case you wanted to dye your hair, which is which I have nothing to believe that I, I don't have any kind of fact supporting this thesis that might have led people to see the people who have blonde attributes or girls who are blonde to be more stupid or it might just be any kind of other fact that it's influencing these statistics this topic or th- there might be third fact that's influencing the the thing which might have made people believe that blonde girls tend to be more stupid than non-blonde girls and it could be true or it could so
1: maybe it's even difficult for people who are having better attributes To live up to them. Oh yeah, and so that's actually causing a personal inward burden for them. That maybe that they see it as a good thing, but they have to maintain it, and that could be difficult on the inward. So we're talking now about how it can go towards a negative direction, where it becomes very makes makes people full of vanity. Uh, you have uh, the negative side where people are now consumed with their good attributes and they can't stop thinking about oh, them yeah, sure. and and they expect other people to notice them and elevate them uh, in certain ways. And so that's a form of manipulation. <laughs> so you have now this inward vanity, you have a pride of life. So you actually, you, you feel the sense of entitlement because you have good attributes. So these are all the, the negative causations of, different good things uh good things that are now being used in a in a self-destructive way or in a way of manipulation in its own way and so i, I that's where it's like uh where does personal responsibility for whatever attribute that we have uh that's good where does that lie
0: well, I think that something similar to what you said happens to rich people. Well, depends. People who are rich or that have some positive attributes which are objective, objectively positive, I think, that being rich is better than being poor. And, But I think that having a good attribute like strength or physical capability of handling a bad situation or like a good beard or richness, those could be used wrongly in case your ego went up. So if your ego is sufficiently high or higher than what your attributes are positive, you will be bragging about your good position in status terms in comparison to the to the average of the society. Mm-hmm. So if, if your ego is higher than your net worth in comparison to the average of the society, you will be bragging about your slightly higher net worth than the average of the society, mm-hmm. and then... You will be exposing yourself to someone with a much higher net worth, comparing it to them to, and making yours look like a small amount of money. Mm. So I think that ego, should, it's always something which we should be trying to bring it down. Ego should always be lower lower than your attributes, I think.
1: I come from a worldview that's, that's unique um, and there's a term called corum Deo.
0: Hmm? What does that mean?
1: Corumdeo Deo is uh, the face of God, that everybody's living uh, primarily uh, on first instance and in the face of God. And so, like, everything that I do, inward and outward, is all done. As choices and acts in front of the face of God. <laughs> so, if I have a good attribute or a good thing that naturally benefits me, uh, there's actually this, uh, you know, this this way of seeing things in from the, the the Bible that is, if you've been given something good, then you're expected to do something good with it. Oh yeah. So this uh, sense of gestionar, uh, 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 manage everything that you have with. Uh, intentionality, with wisdom, because you're living and making choices in front of God. <laughs> and He knows your heart, and, and, he's, and he's, uh, he's putting it all away, and He's going to one day come and present uh, His findings on your life and your choices. And so, it, it's definitely like a, a sobering. If I have anything good in my life, it's not just for me, it's also for how I use it for the benefit of of others in the glory of God and for my own personal enjoyment. And it's like, so whatever good thing I have, whether it's children, money, a good beard, <laughs> oh, yeah. I better be aware that I'm living my life and my personal choices and my perceptions in front of God, and I need to use all of it and leverage all of it for god's glory my good and enjoyment and also the good of others so
0: instead of maximizing what other people perceive from you and the acceptance social acceptance you get out of other people you're trying to maximize the well-being in
1: terms of your relationship with god yeah absolutely and from that then i can translate everything else from that lens of seeing the world so there's still
0: something you are trying to maximize
1: Luckily, and this is where there's like this grace factor in, in Christianity, it's this, uh, with Jesus, it's like, he's done the work to maximize that relationship. Now I just need to grow and having myself be fully consumed by it. Uh, so, more and more I grow into it, this process of, in the Bible, it's called sanctification. I'm growing more and more aware uh, of what this is all about and what He's done in my life. And so, He has done all of the work to make me fully 100% acceptable and loved by Him, and I can't do anything to increase that or decrease that. It's already perfect as it is, and it can't go up and it can't go down.
0: And then, why are you incentivized to do anything?
1: Because I desire him, and I love him, and he's dynamic and eternal. And so I yearn for him, and I I want him, because he's the one that's given me everything.
0: But if everyone has already been given unconditionally, why why do you have any kind of incentive to do anything at all? Love. Why? Is love irrational in terms of if, if you're not going to increase any kind of resource you've got, because you already have infinite amount of love from God?
1: Yeah, it's a because therefore because God has done everything, and I have a good relationship with job with God, and now His vision for what the world's all about and and where it's going, then it's like I like that vision, and my love for Him says, "Wow, that's a good vision. I want to do this with you." And now I want to go into the world, and I want to enjoy the world. I want to leverage the world for God's glory. I want to help other people. I want to serve these things. And so, like, the maximization of that, the glory of that is I'm enjoying it (laughs) along the way. And there's ultimate value in it, because whatever you give in God's hands, it lasts and it grows eternally. (laughs) So, yeah, I want to give my kids to God, and I want to give my money to God, because it's just going to grow exponentially. It's like the best investment that I could ever have.
0: I don't think so. I think that's that's mistaken because the moment in which those things that you are giving to God are going to grow exponentially, it's not immediate.
1: It's not immediate, no. A lot of times it's long-term investments yield the highest rate.
0: It might be true that it leads to the highest rate of return. In comparison to their kind, of, uh, to any kind of investment,
1: sure. Like, like like for example, my marriage. Oh
0: yeah, in the in the long term.
1: So in the long term, I have this deep, profound relationship with one woman, and we have <laughs> a family that then reproduces into more family, into generations, into legacy, into just myth and glory. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or I could be constantly on Tinder looking for quick fixes every weekend.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, that's the short term. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, that would be like a trader in comparison to a to a Warren Buffett that's invest <laughs> for the long term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about this in terms of money. If you were trying yeah. to to give all your money to God, this thing happens with with Pablo, which is one of our good friends, which mm. also believes in God, and he says that his thesis is that he should be investing his resources in in like doing the things God likes. Hmm. Or like the things that pray for praising God, or like the things he enjoys or like he perceives that are that are beneficial for his relationship with God. So I think that the, the way he handles his life, or like the way, we handle our lives in terms of maximizing our relationship with God, which I'm not trying to do because I'm atheist and sure. I will be arguing about my atheism in the future. No, it's not atheism, it's agnosticism. I'm not, I don't have a, uh, a rigorous theory of why God doesn't exist, but never mind, let's go back to, <laughs> to, to the theory of why I think that not giving your money directly to God and giving it mm. in the last of the seconds of your life, it's the most beneficial way of giving your money to God. Because if you invested, let's say you have a thousand euros mm-hmm. and you invest in them and you, you had a ten percent rate of return for the next fifty years and mm-hmm. then you have I don't know, I haven't made the maths. <laughs> so let's say you had a um, hundred thousand euros mm. and and you gave that money to God mm. fifty from fifty years from now. Or you were like if you signed a contract in which you, you were you were making yourself obligated to donating that money in case you 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 died. So in the moment I die, this money is going to be donated to a church. So until I die, I'm going to try to maximize the value of this amount of money. I'm going to try to maximize the, the return, immediate return, yeah, immediate in terms of my life expectancy. That's mm-hmm. that's short term. Long term might be the, the infinite amount of time I might have to, to develop my relationship with God after life, mm-hmm. because that exists. So in the short term, in my life expectancy, I will be trying to maximize the capability of me of adding value to society, just mm. yes, so I can increase that amount to the maximum possible. Mm. So in the last of the moments of my life, I donate that to God to make the highest of the returns possible, So because that's going to be multiplied by infinite. Mm. But if I, if I donated the 1,000 previous euros, like 50 years ago, I wouldn't be able to a thousand multiplied by infinite it's also infinite a hundred thousand euros multiplied mm. by infinite it's also infinite i don't know which one of those infinites it's higher <laughs> but <laughs> as we're we're talking about infinite terms i'm not able to compare those mm. and i could say that even donating one cent to god would be good lead to infinite returns so mm. i have no incentives in giving him all what i have because their their rate of return is infinite mm. so in case i'm not able to distinguish between more infinite or less infinite I wouldn't be able to to say of what's best because I th- I know that giving one more cent to, to a church now mm-hmm. makes me have a net worth of one cent less. <laughs> so I'm I that's a tangible asset, mm-hmm. but the the tangibleness of more infinite, it's super low. I'm not able to tangibly judge how much hundred thousand multiplied by infinite is in comparison to 1,000 multiplied by infinite. I'm not able to do that mathematical equation. There's no way I could do that.
1: So I think there's something to be separated. Excuse me? Something to be separated, because I, I do agree that people perceive a relationship with religion that way, where almost like whatever I give to God, almost it's this manipulation to God to then therefore give them something in return that's good. And then almost like using money to manipulate God to receive good things or invest into it in that way where it's, uh, it's like, okay, uh, I give good things, therefore I get good things. And that's just not the vision of the Bible. <laughs> the Bible doesn't even say how much to give ultimately. In the mm-hmm. Old Testament, there was a bunch summed up, but even in the New Testament it just says give with a cheerful heart. And with uh, with a heart that is for, uh, generousness and care. So it's a it's a matter of worship, not a matter of trying to get something from God.
0: Oh, so it's so, not it's not signaling quantitatively, but qualitatively.
1: It's out of the desire of your heart to pour into, because it, it's it's going back to one of the biggest problems that humans have, um, is that they see. That they are sustained as creatures by things in the world they need food and they need money. <laughs> These are things that are the base necessities of people in society. They need food, they need money to continue, and they treat not so much anymore for societies that are hunters and gatherers, yes, but they, they treat food and and money as that which gives them life and so there 's this what we what I would call in my language an idol it 's a God that's a lesser God. It's it's I'm looking towards it to give me what I feel I need. Give me life. Okay, money, give me life. So the ultimate
0: glory by your standard, it's your relationship with God, and that's infinite amount of glory. So
1: if I'm looking at God and God says, Okay, money is not God, but it's a great tool. Now use it for the glory of the world, for the good of your neighbor, for the enjoyment of your life, of your family. And, but remember, when you give to the local community, you're investing. So if I give to like a local church, like Bidea, I'm giving to Bidea, and it's an investment that this would continue in a positive way. Shout out to Bidea. Shout out to (laughs) Vidya. So it's like, it's a personal investment into this movement in this society for God's glory and people's benefit. It's like, I want that to happen. People do that with magazines. People do that with podcasts. People do that with all kinds of stuff. They invest in it so they can have a part of it. But at the same time, I have to always remember that this is also a worship thing in my heart. Like, I have to challenge my idol because sometimes I still have that problem in my heart where I look towards money to be my God. And I have this functional faith that even though I don't have a theological faith, I have a functional faith that says my bank account's getting low. Now I don't have enough. I don't, I don't have. I have less uh, hope. I have less vision. I, have, I give me more money, and I'll have more life. And that's a lie. That's just not true. Uh, I can have a sufficient means of of moving forward without having that amount. And I have to disconnect my trust and my hope and my faith in money and put it back in God and use my money in faith and use it in in to to manage it well for the good of others and myself and, so and the world. And that's where, the, that's where it's like the Bible so has, talks about so much about money. Jesus talks about money almost more than anything in, in a lot of ways, because he knows how significant it is, how important it is, but also that there's a lot of traps that go with it. But he wants us to use it, and it's not a bad thing at all, and it's good to use, and it's good to leverage, and it's good to grow, and it's good to be wise, and it's good to look for ways to invest and to see your money grow. It's like, that's a good thing. It's a wise thing to do, because it's something that's been given to us, and we're using it for good. And so, I don't know, there's not this, uh, every single cent that I have, I need to give it to some religious organization. (laughs) It's like, no, that's not God's will. Like, uh, yeah, I want to use what I have to support this and that. But it's also to live, to serve, to care for, to love.
0: But don't you think that you're biased? Because the alternative wouldn't be self-sustaining. Because in case a religion told that you should be investing 100% of your money in in that religion, Mm -hmm. that religion wouldn't be popular. So the fact that you are believing in that religion might only be signaling that that's a self-replicating thing like a virus. A virus is not intelligent. Mm. I'm not saying that it's negative. It might be positive. It might be a positive virus. But it's... A non-intelligent thing which has nothing behind it but it's just good at Mm self-replicating so the fact that you are believing in our religion that it's really good at self-replicating because the values you support i think are super beneficial to society might be signaling that you are the fact that you are believing in it it's not that there's some kind of background value ultimate value and it's only signaling that it's good self-replicating like like piracy they have they don't have a a background of consciousness
1: Hmm. yeah and it's a different value system altogether as well because maybe i don't value having a high net worth maybe i value relationships and that's interesting what what if if anything on earth could last forever what could it be the human soul That's the only thing. Everything else is going to fade away and die. So if I invest in relationships, I'm actually investing in that which is going to sustain itself. If I invest in people, in my family, in loving others, that's the only thing that's going to stay forever. Everything else will go away, fade away. Money is great. It's good to invest. It's wise. Uh, In fact, you're a fool if you don't uh if you if you use your money in in a foolish way it's like that's not good that's bad managing of the gifts that god gave you but to use it in a wise way but to also put it in its proper place it's not the highest value my net worth is not the highest value but people and god uh, are and my enjoyment of those two are more important and I actually like that in Spanish culture, um, in some in some ways. When I came to Spain. What I saw is that people invested more money into going out and eating food with their friends and family than they did in the United yes. States. <laughs> of sitting down with their friends and having a good meal was more important than having money in their bank account. That might be why we have half the GDP per
0: capita, and you guys have in the US.
1: Yeah, and also higher relationships.
0: <laughs> but but I think. It, In the long term, you get used to this. So Mm -hmm. I don't actually value my lifestyle in comparison to the one in the US. Sure, sure. So even if it's superior, which we could argue for or against it. Sure, sure. It's something which you will get used to it in the long term. So if you are going to get used to something, make sure that that's... Well, don't make sure of anything. If you are going to get used to something, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Mm. So if you are ultimately get used to it 100% which i think that it, the the tolerance generating system in your body might not be 100% effective so mm-hmm. you might never be able to generate 100% of tolerance to this let's say superior system of living mm-hmm. in comparison to the one of the, U, the united states mm-hmm. so in case the tolerance generating system it's not capable of generating tolerance in 100% of the in the in the in your life expectancy 100 percent of tolerance in your life expectancy it might be rational to live here instead of in the u.s but mm. in case there's a hundred percent of tolerance that it's going to be built mm. it will be rational to go to the place in which the living conditions are the shittiest and that you gain the biggest amount of money let's sure, say sure. oslo <laughs> Uh, well, I, I like I like Norway. I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm not making a case against them, but they, they've got. You lost
1: all Norwegian subscribers.
0: <laughs> I hope not. I, I hope not. But I really like Norway, and there's some mm. really really beneficial thing about Norway. But I'm, my critique was only going towards their sure. their climate mm. and their their way of living.
1: Sure, they're valuing and elevating certain things that other people just haven't invested into yet.
0: Norway is hundred percent good. Country in which I might be willing to live in the future, so I'm not saying that it's bad, but I don't want to have a uh, Norwegian haters now.
1: Yeah, and maybe it's, maybe you high, you value something higher which they have naturally in other countries that you don't have what we don't have here. So like, yeah, when I go to India, I, I, uh, I, it's not the highest living standards. There's no infrastructure. <laughs> it's really hard. To do basic things that we're so used to having being done so easily here, um, and yet there's this value of of uh, of culture and things that are there that are super unique and different and distinct. The family and culture are just very mm-hmm. different and unique that are incomparable with other places. And you it's go remarkable. to you go to the like the mountains of like Afghanistan or Thailand, and you see very simple people, but with very close knit communities. And that could be a really good thing or a really bad thing. But the alternative will be death.
0: Because if you don't have a close community in those kind of exactly, exactly. precarious situations, you die. Sure. So you don't see the people who didn't have that attribute, which is the closeness to their community. Mm-hmm. So that's just another sample of biased environment. Sure. In which you are only seeing the people who have those kind of beneficial But what's, what's happened is
1: that they've grown to elevate that as a high value that closeness in community and that and that and that way of living of maintaining that culture of their community and identifying themselves in a really specific unique way um that you just don't see in other places of due to globalism and everything else going on and so it's like oh that's like uh that's being human in a really beautiful way but it's very distinct and very unique that you can't find in other places like i can't we can do that here. Wait, wasn't
0: it like that here, like a thousand years ago? Or yeah, like the, a thousand years ago. <laughs> you know. thousand, probably <laughs> sure. 60 years ago. Sure,
1: sure, sure. You're right. It was more tribal, more identified in that way. Closer and, to the mm-hmm. thing
0: that is happening now in India. Sure,
1: absolutely. So it
0: tends to, as, as the economic prosperity increases, mm-hmm. we tend to approach a new environment which our genetics has never had. Mm. and that leads us to a new situation in which we might not be adapted to, mm. and there's a lot of problems which we shouldn't be having in case we had the enough time to adapt to it, like mm. old age problems, old age uh, diseases, mm. that shouldn't exist not that it shouldn't exist like obviously it's better that people live forever and that uh, as healthy as possible but that they, they didn't exist previously These mm-hmm. people didn't get to those artificially long years mm-hmm. and so those higher um, higher ages are making people live to with a situation which it's not natural mm-hmm. but it's prosperous mm-hmm. so prosperity might be artificial in terms of we're not supposed to be having this kind of Prosperity, it's not that we are not supposed to, but it's not that we are not adapted to it, Yeah, because our genetics mod- are modified much slower than mm. we are capable of modifying our environment. So I think that there's the correlation, the correlation of detachment the, the between our genetics and our environment, which yeah. is one of the most interesting topics to study.
1: And it it's massive, because I was even looking at uh, how people perceived the future 60 years ago. And they're, oh, flying cars, everybody's going on a spaceship to the moon for lunch. <laughs> like, like This is what, how they perceive the future and how life will be. And then looking back at those perceptions, mm-hmm. there was a psychologist looking at how people are moving forward and, and, and what's going to happen. And, and exactly what you said, basically the... The rapid growth and the uh, of technology and how fast things are developing and how fast they're going, the future looks more like uh, mental breakdowns, anxiety, um, and, and so. mental and mental problems because biologically we cannot sustain how fast it, it's 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 developing, and so. That's what's so difficult. It's like the, the the and you see that even nowadays with the high rate of anxiety and the high rate of, of uh, the brain functioning at such a high level for so long. At even the the rate that we're looking at technology right now, and to exponentially increase that over the next decade, it's like it's it's a heavy tax biologically for humans <laughs> to reach that. And but, to go along with that evolution oh yeah. of technology, yeah.
0: Well, I think that, that biological tax that you are mentioning, which is the detachment between our biology and our surroundings, mm-hmm. will tend to decrease in the long term. Not because of biological adaptment to to our surroundings, mm-hmm. but because of our surroundings adapting to our biology. I think that as we are more capable with time to modify our environment, and mm-hmm. we notice that people are having those mental breakdowns that are definitely having happening right now in the sure. in the Western world, spe- spe- specifically. Sure. We will notice them and mm. modify our environments to avoid them mm. with a higher level of prosperity mm. that, so this kind of moment of detachment with it, between our genetics and our environment might be only transitory mm. like inflation in the US supposedly <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe yeah, yeah it was funny because I, I was talking to my African friend the other day from Nigeria and he was like these Western people, these, I've never heard of anxiety before until I moved to Spain. Oh, wow. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I feel like everybody around me is having anxiety. And I've never heard of it my whole life. I don't think anybody in Nigeria has anxiety. <laughs> obviously, there are. <laughs> but... There's in a lower... Rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> so that's definitely something... Sufficiently dense to approach in an in another podcast or in another series of podcasts or in another series of books. Seriously, I think we don't have time now, and I would like to finish this podcast talking about how rich people specifically Mm. or people who have a positive attribute which might not have been gained by their own means or it might have been tend to be discriminated by other people by saying, oh, you are strong, or, or, or oh, you are rich, you cannot have problems. Mm. And I see this specifically with rich people, mm. that people, rich people who have a mental problem or a, or a relationship problem or some some kind of other problem not related to finance, mm they tend to be not respected by society. Bill, they, G- Bill Gates. Oh, yeah, for example. <laughs> Bill Gates ha- might have yeah. some, any, any kind of problems in his life, but mm. just because of his 80, $86 billion net worth, mm. he's not considered to be capable of having any kind of problem. Mm. So I think that in, in the moment you have a super, extremely positive attribute, which might be f- physical or mental or financial, you are considered by other people as not capable of having that, those problems mm. so i think that there's we should be focusing in those people that have those super high positive attributes and being willing to to see how they actually can have problems because mm. everything is not finance mm. everything is not physical capability mm. everything is not mental capability mm. anything everything is not about having a good beard like you have mm-hmm. so even if you have such a good beard you might be having some other kind of problems. Absolutely. So the fact that you have that beard shouldn't be making me say, oh, Emilio is an asshole, and there's no way he can have any kind of problem because mm. I'm envious and I'm not willing to ad- admit that he might be mm. having some problems. Mm. So you you deserve some kind of respect from my part.
1: And that's, and that's really, you know, a, a testament to... The human perception and the desire in the human heart to have that image of the perfection as much as possible. And so those that are very successful, they become the standard image of untouchability, uh, the standard image of uh, almost the divine on earth. Like they become a mini heaven. For us to look at and say, "There's hope that one day maybe I could get there," <laughs> and and so they be, they provide people with a, a low vision of heaven on earth, <laughs> a low vision of heaven on earth.
0: Because you see, what's better than that, than what you have? It's
1: like, what else? Yeah, what else could be better that uh, that on on the earth? Okay, so this person is extremely wealthy. Uh, they have a family. They have everything together, and everything seems perfect on Instagram. That is oh, yeah. an image of heaven on earth, and it's like. But the reality is, we know that all humans and uh, are a mess <laughs> inwardly, and they have their own. Everybody struggles with their own things, and that there's all kinds of things going on. Um, but yeah, that that's a, that's a that's a big pitfall that I think we naturally fall into if we don't have our eyes going higher than that. If we look just on the human level, we'll, we'll, we need, uh, I, I think our hearts as humans naturally are going towards worship, naturally. Everybody's worshiping and they can't stop it. They're looking to give honor and value and glory uh, to whatever they point their hearts towards. And so, something like celebrities or politicians or very rich people they become that standard of what could be perfect and their hearts are torn towards that and then they live a life that's direct towards gaining those values for themselves
0: we can see that comparison between nigeria and the west in terms of nigerian people might have their struggles but they've got some more natural struggles that might lead to a
1: lower amount of of like
0: what, what was the, the anxiety, anxiety
1: sure. yeah. so less anxiety good family life but you're poor or you don't have a great family life uh you got a really busy job you got lots of money you go on vacation like on in 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 august two weeks a year (laughs) and and you're considered by the world really successful and everything's great and it's like well which one would you prefer
0: there's a, there's a third alternative, which is thing? working super low amount of time because you're able to be super productive, have a super meaningful relationship with your family, mm. and actually having modified your surroundings in terms of being able to not have anxiety because mm. you are conscious that your genetics haven't been adapted to, to what we our society has been. It is right now. So we should be... Going towards that third alternative, which has the positive things of the natural world, and or like super successful New Yorker mm. multimillionaire sure, sure. lifestyle. So if you mix those lack of anxiety and those maybe negative side effects of, yeah. of Western life, and you add the uh, or availability to resources,
1: mm. so you have to give up a few things,
0: or you might have to add more things. Mm. But I'm I'm a hundred percent for giving up certain some things mm. i think that we are i support the minimalism movement mm. and i think that taking things out of our lives could add more value than actually adding things to our lives mm. well not indefinitely but if you could take that far enough only adding things will add value mm. but i think that we have many things that
1: we could take out of our lives Absolutely. and add value to it sure sure because you have to be wise in what you choose to live towards <laughs> God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference.
0: Stay tuned.